Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> Guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti-slut-shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> hey, fuckers. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti-slut-shaming <laughs> podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Uh, today's news story comes from Iran. Uh... There was a 19-year-old girl who made a Instagram post where she was just dancing in her bedroom. Slut. Uh, well, yes, because oh, no. uh, in Iran, your uh, women are not allowed to dance in public. Oh, so putting a post on social media is public. I yeah, think. I yeah. mean, absolutely. Damn. Uh, and so Wait, men can dance in public. Yeah, I'm guessing oh. if they if they're if they're if this is a New York Times article. So if they're specifically saying women can't dance in public to me, that's saying, yeah, men can't men can dance in public because uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's considered to be sexual. Yeah. And so and when a man dances, we all know it ain't sexual. Yeah. Her, <laughs> uh, and she was uh, arrested in May. For dancing quietly, um, and her pay her Instagram page was taken down. And this is not like just some random woman. This is a woman who had six hundred thousand followers. Uh, and then they were kind of like, "Where had she gone?" And so then uh, last Tuesday on t- a TV show that's actually called Wrong Path. Oh no! In Iran, there was a blurred out image of her where she, through sobs, admitted that dancing is a crime. And that her family had been unaware that she had been making videos of herself dancing in her bedroom to quote Western songs like Bon Bon. <laughs> I don't. I'm not even familiar with that song. Maybe I heard it. It's not the Ricky Martin. I'm a one. Bon Bon. Uh, that's, that's probably how it goes. And and, and uh, to their credit, a lot of people in Iran uh, have been uh, complaining, protesting, saying that they ha- it's corrupt and that there's a lack of personal oh, freedoms. And many uh, Iranians have posted videos of themselves dancing uh. in protests, while thousands more have posted pictures of her and written supportive posts on their Instagram pages, which is great. Um, How do we get her out of jail? But yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of people in Iran who have kind of been repowered by having America have President Trump. And so as we get more conservative in the Western world, they can kind of use that as an example to then uh, govern their own society. Uh, And they're considering Instagram to be like a Western social media tool. So I think they're even trying to block the entire thing in Iran. Um, And this just comes after another news story that I had in mind, which was a woman removed her Islamic head covering in a public protest in February, and then she was sentenced to two years imprisonment and eight years of probation. So that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a and this is an interesting way where we are so, uh, I guess, lucky that we can say whatever we want Mm -hmm. and use Instagram however we want but kind of just pointing at how far behind some other countries still are and how terrified they are of the dancing women because yeah because I mean we're talking about she dances and my dick will dance and that's not good and how and I mean how opposed they are I mean and I think you know I'm not necessarily 100% on the side of like you know take your tits out whenever you want I mean I mean keep them in you know inside your shirt I don't no, you know, it, it, it is. But I mean, there certainly shouldn't be laws where the government is telling you that you can't dance or you can't use your body the way that you can. Yeah. And any personal rules I might have for my own body are 
absolutely uh, different. But it just seems like, yeah, they're really, they're actually really uh, going in on YouTube stars and like Instagram stars. So oh. I just think that's very interesting in a country where so many of us are making careers off of that. And then just kind of going back into the fact that like if we lived other places, we would have definitely been imprisoned oh, by now for doing yeah. this. So, you know, as, much, as bad as things seem now, I think it's good to see some world uh, perspective. And if you need some introspective perspective but can't seem to get that, that's where Talkspace comes in. Oh, today's episode is sponsored by Talkspace. It's the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting another appointment in your life, you busy bitch? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending a therapist a message. No commutes, no leaving the office, no judgments. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com GWF. Use code GWF to get $45 off your first month and show you support for this show that's gwf at talkspace.com slash g WF. And thank you to another one of our favorite sponsors, Daily Harvest. During the summer, the last thing I want to do is spend time cooking. And I mean, I really don't do that anyway because I'm a busy bitch. Uh, I'd rather be outside doing things and enjoying the warm weather. That's why I love Daily Harvest. It's a subscription service that makes healthy eating easy with delicious plant-based foods that are ready in as little as 30 seconds. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. All you have to do is add water or your favorite milk I definitely do milk it makes it a little creamier uh, to the cup and blend heat or soak <laughs> I like the idea of just soaking your food uh, it requires basically no effort it's the perfect thing to have on hand for those days when you don't have time to cook uh, I love grabbing a daily harvest smoothie basically I'm always running late you guys know that from the podcast consistently late I'm 10 minutes late to life all the time uh, and then I'll forget to eat and then I'll, my solution to that is like getting some garbage food from like a 7-Eleven so when you have daily harvest you can just plop it over scare your dog Alfred with the blender he really hates the blender put it in and then you're done and it's already in the same you can pour it back into the same cup um, just don't use a straw because that does hurt the turtles so do that it's great you can go to the beach and be like I'm a skinny bitch go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code GWF to get three cups free in your first box again that's promo code GWF like the podcast you're listening to for three free daily harvest cups at daily Dash harvest.com. Be a cool bitch. Dot com. Come see us live. <clears throat> Absolutely. Seattle slash Bellevue, Washington. Uh tonight mm. and uh tomorrow yep. we are going to be at Parlor Live. Uh we've played there before. Really fun room. Please come out and support. Tell your friends. And then Irvine, California, uh July 19th through 22nd. We're gonna be at the Irvine Improv. Again, these are our only Southern Cali dates for the rest of the year. We are not playing Los Angeles. This is it. This is your only option. It's a very big venue. So last chance to see the Bridget Bishop tour we ever. Cannot reiterate how much we need you to come to Irvine. And we appreciate you driving, but also we will be driving from LA too. Yeah. And Philadelphia. We're gonna be in you August 2nd to the 4th at Helium, Washington, DC, August 9th through the 11th at the DC Improv, and Dallas, Texas. We're gonna be at the Addison Improv August 23rd to 25th. 
Go to sorryaboutlastnightcomedy.com slash tours for all the other dates. Uh, and then for personal uh, dates, uh, the last Nacho Bitches oh. ever is Friday, July 27th at New York Comedy Club. If you want to get into that, you better buy tickets ASAP. The last one sold out like a week before. It's 11.30 p.m. Use code Nacho for $12 tickets. It's the last ever Nacho Bitches. And then after that, I'm kind of going to be on the DL and you can just catch me uh, on this podcast or on the two less lonely girls podcast which is free and available and justin bieber and Haley just got engaged so there's a lot of fuel i did see that post and i thought of you <laughs> um you could also see us saturday august 18th save the fucking date if you're going to be in the new york area because we are putting on the first guys we fest i'm so fucking excited about this all the info can be found at storyaboutlastnight.com slash Sorry about last night comedy comedy.com. Yes, good important to get the URL right. Storyaboutlastnightcomedy.com slash guys we fest. Um, essentially what it is is it's a day to get off your ass and be the change you want to see in the world. And all day we're gonna be having uh, booths out with volunteer organizations, ways you can make the world better uh, directly right there. Sign up for the thing, volunteer with the thing. Um, we're going to have all kinds of booths that are going to be fucking fun. Um, drag makeup is mm-hmm. going to be one of them. I'm really excited. I want to fucking do that. We're going to do a live recording of Guys We Fucked at the festival. And then at night, we're going to have an insane comedy slash music show. And this entire day is going to benefit uh, new alternatives for at-risk LGBTQ youth and the Reproductive Health Access Project. Uh, and uh, if you cannot physically be there, and again, buy these tickets fast because we can only let max 500 people in and we've showed sold out things for 1,000 seats in New York. So I imagine these tickets are going pretty fast. Um, uh, you can absolutely make a donation to the, either of these organizations uh, or the best thing you can do to support is uh, and you'll see it on the Guys We Fest page. It says merch. You can click on that and you could uh, buy a Guys We Fest official shirt from uh, our Bonfire page. Um, and so these are all things that you can do to be active and we really appreciate it. And I know last week some of the things we had really like just launched the website, like mm-hmm. we were powering through to get it launched for last Friday. So now everything is even easier to use. All the proper links are there. Uh, So go check it out if you didn't have the opportunity to do that last week. And you can follow us on social media at Guys We Fest uh, for that. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on uh, Twitter. I think we're on Snapchat too, but you guys know I don't go on that. Yeah, we don't, I don't really go, I only go on that when they have the one filter. Uh, and we're going to be announcing lineups there, so you'll be the first to know if you're following us on social media sure. at Guys We Fest. Uh, and then thank you so much to Hubble Contact Lenses. Are you tired of overpaying for uncomfortable contact lenses? Yeah. Do you overwear your contact lenses to save money? Yeah. What if we told you that you can get a fresh pair of lenses for every single day for less 60 60 contacts for $33 do the math it seems like there should be a bitch in there there's not but it seems like there should be do the math bitch Bitch. that's barely a dollar a day dumb bitch it's way more affordable than other brands, which is true. I think there's a misconception that if you're wearing a daily lens that you're paying a lot more money. You're really not. Before I got LASIK, when I made the switch uh, from like weekly or monthly lenses to daily lenses, my eye health improved astronomically. Uh, it's very easy to scratch your cornea if you're over wearing your contact lenses, especially if you're on a computer or your phone a lot. It's very, uh, very, very dangerous. You can scratch it. You can dry your eyes out and like your eyes just get worse as you get older take it from me um (laughs) 
So go to HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks free. Contacts are expensive because four companies control 97% of the market until now. They can send you to an optometrist if you don't have a prescription, which is awesome. And you just type in your prescription. No more overpaying. No more overwearing. Go to HubbleContacts.com. That's H-U-B-B-L-E Contacts.com. You get your first two weeks of lenses for free. 15 pairs for free. Again, go to HubbleContacts.com and see the difference. And make sure to select our podcast, Guys We Fucked, at checkout. Uh, Hubble's great, very easy, and it's just another way not to talk to people. So true. And now that your eyes can see, you can know how great dead ass looks in your me undies. You've definitely heard me talk about me undies. The fun, comfy undies that feel as good as they look. To those of you who haven't tried them yet, listen up, you fucks. No more crowded stores. MeUndies sends incredible underwear made with sustainably sourced material from beechwood trees right to your door. Once you put on a pair, you'll get it. I only wear MeUndies uh, because I'm, you know, I don't like going outside really that much. And it's very comfortable. I remember one time on the road, I ran out of underwear, clean underwear. So I had to go buy non-MeUndies underwear and didn't like it. And it really got me spoiled. MeUndies is so sure you'll love your first pair that if you're not happy with it, they'll do whatever they can to get you the right pair. Whatever they can. And if they can't, oh, keep them and they'll refund you. Okay. (laughs) I thought they were hitting at something. It really is risk-free to try the best underwear ever. Still not sure? (laughs) You silly bitch. Well, MeUndies has a deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first pair of MeUndies, free shipping, and a satisfaction guarantee. So to get your butt over to MeUndies.com slash GWF, a treat yourself. That's 20% off your first pair, free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee when you go to MeUndies.com slash GWF. Again, that is MeUndies.com slash GWF. You want to do that one? (laughs) Uh, And this is one more ad, guys. Thanks for hanging in with us. These people allow us to live our lives. Yeah, but also realize that it's really cool that all these companies are fucking on board for guys we fucked. Yeah. Think of that's progress. That wouldn't happen in Iran. Okay. So. (laughs) Nope. The FabFitFun Summer Editor's Box is now available. Yeah. You know we love FabFitFun, even though it kind of makes us hate ourselves. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box that delivers fashion, beauty, home, and fitness products for a life well-lived. The Editor's Box is available for, for purchase uh, in between seasonal boxes with newly discovered items and favorites what? from past boxes. It's a fantastic value because all the products are full size, not sample size, and many products' individual value is more than the cost of the entire box uh this is absolutely true uh as far as like i'm very into deals and making sure you're getting a lot of bang for your buck um when they say one or two products is going to equal the entire amount of the box, that's absolutely accurate. And most of the stuff, even if you like don't like one thing, number one, you can re-gift it so you have a nice gift to give a friend. And then number two, you're going to uh, find new products that you love. And I found a use for almost everything in every one of my FabFitFun boxes. Uh, we talked so highly about it that my best friend Paula was even like, yo, Corinne, I ordered a FabFitFun box and I no. hope you weren't fucking with me in the ad read. And I said, Paula, I would never do that to you I wholeheartedly love that plus I would never say I liked something if I didn't like yeah, it true. I mean you would be I just wouldn't even endorse it um so I'm really excited for the summer box it includes the Yumi Kim train case 
in periwinkle or navy. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Ahava mineral hand cream, which is uh, an Israeli product. It's really good shit. Uh, and I have it because we already got this box. Uh, the spun uh, the spun gel papaya yuzu <gasps> box, flower oh. body wash, infused what? buffer. That's great because a lot of times I'll try to go out uh, on the beach and not realize I didn't exfoliate. And then I get a really bad sunburn because I didn't exfoliate oh, shit, before I put on my suntan lotion. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck. You need to exfoliate um, so much. and get that done. And also when your skin starts peeling sometimes in the summer, it's because you didn't fucking exfoliate. So sign up for FabFitFun today yeah. to get your summer editor's box. Use our code GWF to get $10 off your first box, which I mean, bet it's a huge deal. Again, FabFitFun.com to sign up and start getting your box for a life well lived. Use promo code GWF to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 worth of products for only $39.99. Code GWF. Thank you so much. You deserve. Every woman and man deserves to feel fab and fit and fun. <laughs> Fucking the name. I just hate it and I love it. <laughs> oh, emails. The subject line of this email. Girlfriend issues. Let's hear them. Hi, Corinne and Christina. I've been dating a lovely lady for four months-ish, and we both have uh, been very sexually active in our past lives. I'm 29, and she's 27, and from conversations we've had, we both agree that our 20s were great, and the club slash hookup scene was super fun. About a month ago, I was getting my screen fixed on my iPhone, and she let me take her phone for navigation. Up to this point, we've trusted each other and been faithful as far as I know. Full disclaimer, I have trust issues from past relationships which we've talked about and she's been a great partner in the sense that she reassures me when I express these thoughts. Anyway, when I had her phone, a guy sent her naked pictures of herself. Herself? Oh. At this point, I went back through the text thread and read the t- uh, that he texts her inappropriate things and while she doesn't encourage them, she doesn't sh- shut it down and or tell him that she has a boyfriend. I confronted her about this and she basically said that they used to date, but he's had a girlfriend for a while and since he lives across the country, she didn't think it was a big deal. (laughs) Fast forward a month, she still hasn't told him to stop sending her inappropriate texts. So I asked her again if there's anything I have to worry about and she got defensive, saying that I don't trust her, which I guess I don't fully. I told her if she wants to stay in this relationship, I need her to be able to be proud that we're dating and when guys approach her to tell them that she has a boyfriend and if they value their friendship, they can't send inappropriate stuff anymore. She agreed and then said that it's easier for her to just let people take advantage of her instead of confronting them because confrontation scares the shit out of her. Boo-hoo, which I understand. I added the boohoo. I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like to be a woman, especially with all the gross dudes in the world. I think this is because a lack of confidence in her conditioning that her needs come second to a male's. Am I out of line here? How can I empower her to be better able to deal with this without making her defensive? I've already told her that I love her and I'm there for her no matter what, but I'm afraid that this is going to be our downfall someday. Thanks and keep up the podcast. I have a lot of male uh, and female female friends who have benefited from it. Um, Okay. Okay, I don't think, I think, I feel like a lot, I feel like you're both misinterpreting shit. You've been dating her for four-ish months. That, obviously, your boyfriend, girlfriend, so I, I assume that means you're exclusive. If my boyfriend of four months was getting naked pics from a chick, I'd be like, say, what, huh, what happened? Yeah. Uh-uh-uh. What? And I'm not, I'm not cool with that. I'm not cool with that. That's weird. I don't get it. Why do you need that? So, I don't think... And then, and then her getting like, wow, you need to like calm down basically from the tone of this email. That's what I've gathered. Like, you don't trust me. 
bitch, you're sexing with somebody or you're receiving sex from somebody. I don't buy the, it's easier to just uh, let people take advantage of me. They're not taking advantage of her. They're sending her sex and naked photos. I mean, that's, if you don't want those, you say no. Well, or you because it's someone that she used to date, they, she could have an unhealthy relationship still with him, even though they're no longer the significant others. It could have been like manipulative and controlling. Yeah. And he's still like casting that. Uh, oh, that that web on her. Uh, or is that the phrase? There was another word that I was looking for. But I can't. Uh, no, it's like a fishing thing. Uh, whatever. Uh, and uh and so and so that could still be like remnants of that because I actually do know people who are have like come out of semi-abusive relationships who even when they move on to new relationships still feel like they are kind of a prisoner or beholden to mm. this ex-boyfriend oh. or girlfriend um, it. but it's also like you know, I mean just as a, an adult woman and for her own sake in or in in or out of this relationship you need to set boundaries of things that are not okay so it's like is she okay with it is she not okay with it but not willing to stand up for herself it's unclear to me still really how she feels about it um but yeah i mean it's not appropriate i don't think he's out of line for that's that's yeah that's yeah. not appropriate there's nothing like but there's nothing you're doing wrong yeah i would but having that conversation i think is a good point um yeah and if like you know just be like hey this is could you not could you just like stop sexting me i'm not i mean a monogamous relationship and if the person lashes out on her that person's a psychopath and she yep. should just be blocked i mean i don't i don't i don't really know what's going on uh, why people just can't be more direct i know especially with something like that speaking of directness i was home i was talking to my brother who's on dating apps mm -hmm. and we were talking and he was telling me this thing that i thought was so interesting he was saying he's like do you I don't know if you know this Nina but a lot of girls like that I'm seeing on these various dating apps if they have herpes they'll put it in their profile mm -hmm. and and uh and he told me about I'm like really I've never seen a guy put that in any kind of profile whether it was well, I'm on Thrinder which is purely sexual mm. or hinge or whatever and I was like damn that's great and also he he told me about this experience where a girl asked him out on a date she did not have that in her profile but she said before the date, she just said, you know, before we go on this date, I want to tell you, like, mm -hmm. I have herpes and X, Y, Z. These are, you know, I just want to make sure you know that and you're right. okay with that. And uh, and he was like, oh, OK, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll go on a date. Date was great. And then she asked him out on a second date, you know, was inquiring, like, oh, we're going to go on it again. And he he said no because of the herpes thing, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought the two things that I thought were interesting one that the people you know only only women I haven't seen any dudes doing this yet but uh they're putting that on the profile or leading with that in a comfortable way I think right. it's great I do think it just got me thinking of um because of how many people have it like 25% of women and 50% of or 50 25% of women and 20% of men living in the United States have genital herpes mm -hmm. so the odds that you have slept with somebody who has herpes and didn't tell you it's pretty high Mm. And for various reasons, shame, them not getting tested and just not knowing and never having a breakout. So how would they know? Um, but I think, you know, we're, we, I, I always try to push like it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I personally, it, it wouldn't be a, a deterrent factor because I know how hard it is to spread it. And I know how to take those precautions. And that doesn't bother me because it's not like it's really putting in an extra bump in the road for me. Um, but because of that, I think telling a person and I'm curious what you think. Telling a person before the first date is making it a bigger deal. Do you think that? Because I, I, in my opinion, like anytime I've ever given advice to anybody about this conversation, and a lot of people email us about it, 
I would get to know the person before I told them. I wouldn't lead with that mm-hmm. because then I'm, I'm putting all this pressure on it. And then they, as a result, might put it. The, if I had it, I would tell people before, before thing, if it looked like things were possibly going in the direction where we would ever have sex, before it got there, I would say, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I would really feel really violated if somebody slept with me knowing they had an STD and didn't tell me. Oh, of course. And uh, so I don't want to do that to you. Unfortunately, somebody did do that to me, if that is the case. Um, that's not always how it spreads. But, um, and so uh, I just want to tell you I have herpes. This is how it spread. This is what, everything you could do. These are the chances of, you know, spreading it. And I, but I feel like just mentioning it during that time makes it less of a big deal. Mm, that's because you're someone who likes to talk and feels comfortable talking about things. I think if you are someone who feels less comfortable having a conversation like that, it's much easier to just put in the profile. You know it immediately. Oh, the profile, yeah. Yeah. But but um, I'm, yeah, the profile I totally get because then you don't have to have that conversation. I think that's great. But saying it before a guy, like before you go on a date versus saying- Oh, so saying you're saying it, like if you're dating off an app and someone- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about putting in your profile. I just think that's cool that people are doing that because that is like a low key, like, oh yeah, by the way, PS. But- um, Well, no, it feels weird to do it in in an in-person date. It just doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel natural. But I mean, I'm sure people with herpes know what makes them feel comfortable. And I'm sure people who maybe who have been through enough dates where they got to like somebody and then said herpes and then it it was a deal breaker. I think it's more protecting yourself from falling for somebody and then having them, uh, I guess disappoint you uh, or make you feel more rejected uh, for something that you don't really see as a big deal. Yeah. I mean, because it depends. I know you have a good reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, and, it, and I, 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 there should be no shame in herpes, but also it's like we're all bringing shit to the table. So like I've said it before, like at 32, if I can avoid getting herpes, like I don't think it's bad for me to say like I would like to avoid getting it. I would yeah. like I mean you know so it's like if, well and, and if I don't if even know you their, if someone yeah. had it in their profile that's an instance where like if I don't even know you yeah I'm probably not gonna like immerse myself into that but if it's someone I knew in real life and like already had a crush on or, or a connection with and they had herpes that's a different story mm-hmm. but like yeah I'm not gonna just go out into the internet void and like you know there's just there's just too many people and especially like no one's that special and there, plus there's a ton of people who already have herpes and they can just sleep together <laughs> like i mean is there an app for um, yeah there's an app for people who already have STIs. yeah but that's i mean but then that's saying like if you have this then you should only sleep with somebody else who has this yeah i know it's a preference up. i mean there's a million preferences you know there's you know there's preferences but it's like uh but you know you can't take somebody's preference personally right and it's like you know a lot i so for me i wouldn't i would avoid having sex with someone who had herpes if i could but i would date someone who was trans who was a trans man and right. I think a lot of people but that's would your, rather date someone with herpes just because it's like that's what that, well that's their like, personal this preference. This is our preference, yeah. and you really can't. And I know there's arguments nowadays that like your preference is informed by the things that you intake, the porn that you watch, the things that you read, the life that you grew up on. But it's like we're not going to undo all that. Yeah. I was so like, it's like sure maybe. But who wants to unthread that shit? It's just like everyone has a preference, and yeah. you know, it's just like at this point, I'm just trying to fucking avoid anything that's going to make my life more difficult really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's fair hey girl you do what you want <laughs> oh man our guest today i'm really 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 oh did you have anything personal you want to say sorry I didn't, mm, no I, I i was i mean it was what would i do this week i drank like 14 times and spent most that's of the it. weekend like hung over uh-huh. so i need to just not i've been having too much fun because this was like our kind of this was like our real vacation where we're home for a couple weeks and then we're yeah. like working for like the rest of the fucking year so i just really lived it up good 
really lifts Good it for up. You. My poor liver. Um, I did. Oh, and I. One thing I wanted to say. There's this play that I took Corinne to. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first time I went. We went together because I want to get her a cool birthday gift, and uh, it's called "And Then She Fell." And I went to see it for the third time. Yeah, with a friend. So and good. First time was sober. Second time I had smoked weed, and third time Molly, which you know, if you're gonna do that, really research it and be very smart. But there's very smart ways to do this, and uh, you know, you got to take vitamins and shit. But wow, what was your favorite way to experience it after out of those Fucking three? Molly. Yeah, but because it's euphoric. I'm so glad. I would never do it like. I'm really immersive theater is my new favorite thing in the entire world, and uh, and I'm probably gonna go see and then she fell eight more times, and uh, you should see it if you ever. <laughs> and it was very a, different each time, right? Because different of the, every yeah. fucking time. Yeah. And I learned, and because the, the person I went with last night was a guy, right? He went into this room that I'd never been in. Where we're young. It's a it's a story of Lewis Carroll and Alice in Wonderland and Alice, and you know. There are uh, pedophilic, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a pedophile. But the way that they made the story, she looks 16, 17, which is still, you know. Yeah, but if you actually, oh, I was, I got, if you you research it. When I went home from that, I got obsessed with it. And like, basically, like, Lewis Carroll would just hang out with this, like, child. Yeah, like a seven-year-old. Yeah, she was very young. But this Sorry to ruin that for you guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it still doesn't ruin this, this. Uh, show for me uh it's fucking incredible and uh but there's this room that if you're a dude because i've been in three times and i've thought i saw all the rooms yeah um that the guy goes in and young alice who she's clearly an adult woman playing this person but she looks she has useful skin she has useful hair if you Mm -hmm. notice the casting and that is very specific Mm -hmm. and she does this thing where she like half undresses oh i heard about that room she doesn't do it to the women why not that's so stupid because they're trying to make the guy see I maybe this was a theory we talked about after the show. Maybe they're trying to make the guy like see through the eyes of Lewis Carroll. Maybe I don't know. I mean, she wasn't seven. That's a lot different. I mean, this was a grown ass woman being weird. Yeah, but I wonder if that was why. Huh. But I'm so fascinated. Yeah, by that. I did hear about that room because another friend I had who was a male went into it and then saw told me about that room and I was like, I don't the fuck, I don't recall that room. <sighs> but go see it. Third rail, third rail productions or some shit like that. It's just really <laughs> third rail. Third Rail some project. I think it is Third Rail because I just got an email it from It is them. Third Rail. I just don't know if it's production or project. Yeah, third Rail, then she felt you can find it. Our guest today is a very dear friend, somebody I am honored to have in my life. She is an early childhood educator, and she has really interesting, fascinating, in-depth thoughts about masculinity, femininity, the patriarchy, and how we raise young men and young women. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Jean Hayes. Can't nobody treat me like he does Giving me what I want without a cuddle or hug Get in, get out, no conversation in between I'm telling you how it is, not trying to be mean I mean, I like to get it what I want it when I want it Then I get it, then I got it what I want And you go home and listen close Don't get it twisted again I don't want you or your fucked up friends. Boy, I don't need you. I got a suction cup dildo. Suction cup dildo. Suction cup dildo. Boy, I don't need you. I got a suction cup dildo. Suction cup dildo. Suction cup dildo. Okay, we are here with Gene. Hey, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. Every time I hang out... With Jean, we always have the most amazing conversations about specifically masculinity. We've known each other for how long? Since 
Yeah, I guess since high school. Yeah. Yeah. So since grade. I was like 16. You weren't in Anne Frank and me. You were in Zombie Prom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, that one sounds more fun. <laughs> yeah. Zombie Prom was a fun one. No offense, Sal. It, we did have a good time. Anne Frank and me was a bummer. It was, yeah. That no. The, yeah. Zombie Prom was good. It was pretty, you know, pretty like classic high school theater. You yeah. And then Annie was our commit. musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Jean, would um, you catch me? <laughs> no, this is what, no, what happened was we couldn't find you. Because oh, did your <laughs> high school ever have lock-ins, Corinne? Uh, after theater? Uh, not for, th- we had, we just, it wasn't a call to lock-in, but just like we all knew that none of us were getting out there until four in the morning. They didn't oh, have, they didn't it wasn't actually, a sleepover party? Like it's a voluntary. It's, <laughs> yo, I'm, I am from like, I am from a town where everyone would have been pregnant. Absolutely not. Right? It's well, problematic. Your girl it's like, was trying so to get pregnant. Yeah, no, that would never in Union, New Jersey. That would never go down. I was a mad. I was a fucking virgin. No, as it's, fuck. So yeah, at the end of the day, well, day night. I don't know. It was like set. It was in the after morning. Annie the right. cast party, which was a lock-in, which does sound like a terrible word. I don't know. It does I, sound like we're what? forcing kids to stay. I don't think they use that word, but I sort of appreciate that you're using oh, it. Maybe it was my middle, my middle school <laughs> used that word. Okay. Um, and then the only rule was that you couldn't go on the balcony in the theater. Yeah. And, and then at eight o'clock in the morning, we we're all like, okay, it's time to go. And we couldn't find Christina. Because she was making out in the balcony, girlfriend. Yo, <laughs> next to another girl making yeah, out with a boy in the balcony. Oh, my God. You have to Amanda. tell me. Amanda. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. The two first names. Damn. Yeah. And what happened was they were all looking for me for like an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'm just making out with Drew. Was, but then the best part was that we looked up in the balcony and you just see these four heads like pop out. Yeah. And you were like. <laughs> so I think it was Peen. Uh, was like there they are up there and I was like what's everyone talking about and my head popped so up good. and then Drew's head popped up and then everyone oohed and awed mm-hmm. and then oh, I was forced pretty. to clean up the theater as punishment and I found $20 oh that's not so. bad yeah that was the last year they did that because I think some like other things happened yeah. probably <laughs> yeah some weird stuff happened all the year. teachers were like you slut ruined everything I just think it's so funny that it because t- they did that for years and they never lost someone in the balcony that's just shocking well to me. hey we're there's a will there's a way yeah I mean it just sounds like a very for a high school just a very dangerous idea I was so I was mostly sober in high school like I only drank a couple times in high school I can't believe that I never drank in good high school. for me we like did that you was, did it not re- I feel like that wasn't a part of our like yeah group. It, was it wasn't just, our like, thing. Not a thing we were just like let's learn all the harmonies to this rent song <laughs> it's so true. but um so Jean you I want to talk about like raising young boys and talk about masculinity because you you articulate in a way that is so fascinating unlike any way I've ever heard but to start from the beginning you grew up with men who were not your typical machismo is it machismo or machismo Uh, I think you say machismo okay machismo masculine like you know yeah blue collary kind of guy like that's my brother and my father were like that so what so who did you grow up who were the men in your life when you yeah so I guess yeah, I get so the situation does sort of in hindsight feel unique. Um, my dad was a stay-at-home dad till I was about eight years old. Um, my mom would go out to work, obviously, um, uh, and my dad also. Well, he's he's a chef, so the he's very artistic, mm-hmm. and um, I think just the dynamic in my house was very different, even when he was working as a chef he would still come home early enough to get us from the bus and cook us dinner so that when my mom got home from maybe the job that was perhaps um just sort of the more i don't want to say stable but sort of the more standard traditional traditional, yeah. yeah like um 
she would come home and dinner was made and the laundry was done and the kids were the bath was had and that was all my my dream (laughs) mr mom yeah yeah sort of and um but it was never i think at the time uh that i was born my parents were and as far as i'm concerned very young not that young maybe for that time but um and so the idea that my dad was going to stay home with me, especially back in the eighties was like a pretty wild situation. Yeah. Was, um, that dis- was that discussed or did it just like happen based on his career? It well, Yeah, I think it was discussed. I think basically my mom and my dad, as they describe it, they were both in a place where their careers were both sort of taking off. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. they kind of had to choose one. And, oh. um, my mom is a nutritionist and was sort of, stepping foot I think in the realm of diabetes education and things like that and so she it just felt like that was going to be a really stable thing the restaurant industry is notoriously yeah um all over the place and so I think that when the decision needed to get made it was like okay let's do this and also at the time I think um maybe not right after I was born but my dad had done a lot of like part-time catering stuff I think so he was able to kind of do a little bit of both yeah 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 yeah. okay so so your dad was physically mostly in your life more so than your mom totally and he's a sweet wonderful yeah just a sweet man he is he is he's a really sweet guy um he he, I think it, his the, where he came from was less than ideal in the way of uh, masculinity, <laughs> but um, he he really tried his best to do things a little bit differently. I yeah. think than than how he was raised. And and your yeah. brother, you have a brother, younger yeah, brother. I have a younger brother. He's, he's like also a sweetheart. He is. He's my best friend, and he is um, also a chef. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> but he he uh, yeah, I think the way that we were raised was just. In looking back and in growing up and meeting so many people, it feels very atypical. Yeah. Um, just in the way that uh, we were a foursome almost. We were sort of did everything uh, together. My parents were very open-minded about uh, my brother and I's sort of paths in life. And, oh, that's um, great. And there was not as many sort of um, expectations other than to like be a good person, which I think was sort of drilled home um, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And uh, <laughs> so. yeah, I look at the way my brother's raising his son and he's just, he's really, they have matching Top Gun shirts. It's really yeah. cute, but he's really, I mean, he's not doing this intentionally, I don't think. He's just, because this is what he loved as a kid, but he's just piling on dude yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And yeah. you were friends with a lot of your guys. It's funny, we were talking about this the other night at your house a lot of the guys that you were friends with in high school were guys that I wanted to be friends with, but I used my sexuality to try and be like, do you want to hang out with me? Yeah, yeah. you never did, you never had to do that. Like, you didn't have men in your life that were shitheads, really. I did it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and I think as I sort of get more deeper into the study of all of this, like, masculinity and what that looks like from a feminist perspective, um, I think a lot of... um, the relationships that I had early on because what I've sort of discovered is that a lot of um, women end up operating from sort of a place of fear Mm. when it comes to men and the way to assert their power or their control over or or amongst that fear perhaps is uh, dangling a titty through their sexuality but I don't (laughs) I don't have any real recollection of being afraid of men and I didn't realize that so many women were until I got much older. And I think because I was never operating from a place of fear when it came to male friends or male yeah. companions or even boyfriends at that matter, for that matter, um, 
I just have been able to sustain these like really amazing long male friendships yeah when you say fear are you specifically talking about like physical fear emotional mental social fear or all of the above that's a really good question I think I'm talking about I think I'm talking about all almost all of it Uh because I think that depending on the situation um the in a sort of typical patriarchal structure the man is at the top the man is like the top of the hierarchy Mm -hmm. and the way that he's going to assert his power control could be of any of those ways unfortunately mm-hmm. and um I think when you even the most sort of like kind and gentle men even if when they're still operating under that patriarchy or that sort of hierarchical idea it can still come from a place of dominating power yeah um and I think maybe we see it more emotionally or uh but but physically is definitely a thing too that i think a lot of women fear yeah what is patriarchy what is your definition of patriarchy so i guess when i think about the patriarchy and i read this in a i believe it was a carol gilligan book and um she talked about patriarchy being like the hierarchy but in an abs without love so hierarchy but without the ability to love in it yeah Um, yeah because i forgot i remember you told hmm. me that and i was like fuck I think that is dead on yeah I mean I think it makes a lot of sense in the way that like you know we want to I think you know yeah the not having love within that structure is going to just look a lot like power control mm-hmm, power yeah. dynamics everywhere and it's lo- I guess there's a t- I, yeah there is there is a vulnerability to love and I think that women tend to be more loving and oh yeah like love is like pure vulnerability yeah I, I guess so totally. yeah. yeah and I think that's like part of the masculine problem and the patriarchy and I always try and say this the patriarchy is not a gendered thing and I think right. that's like super important to remember when you're talking about all this because the patriarchy is is lots of women it's I was like I was like am I women. part of the patriarchy yeah. <laughs> no I think I, I think might we, be I think, I we think all I are might be. I mean I think How there's flattering. a lot I know <laughs> We can do what men can do. I know. I I don't have any anti uh, patriarchy stuff, and maybe that's why subconsciously I knew I was part of the problem. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of us are. I think uh, like capitalism is the patriarchy. Like I think Mm. a lot of us are just like wrapped up in it, Um, and I think that to spin that on its head and say we're going to radically down the patriarchy is like such an overarching statement because it lives everywhere. It lives in like, um, you know, it lives in the idea that we have to have a male president. Um, Mm. It lives in the idea that um, mom is, mom has to be the one that stays home from work. You know, it lives in this, in a lot of these like very old school ideas. What about on women's Um, side? Like um, we were talking about girl power, yeah. The notion yeah. of girl power. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know. Be careful. I, I am the president of Wannabe Weekly. Yes. Yes. Um, a Spice Girls newsletter. No. The Spice Girls are. Well, I have a hat that says girl power. I wore it today. <laughs> Let's be clear. They're the untouchable. Spice, yeah, the Spice Girls. We're not talking about. Actually, just a quote about my dad is like an expert in pop music. And he's just the best. And the first CD he ever got me was the Spice single World. of Wannabe Spice Girls. He said, Claire, this is going to be a number one hit. I'm telling you. He and knows then, what's like, up. Six months later, it was. So wow. I'm just nice. <laughs> He is. He also just um, showed me the new SZA album. Oh, (laughs) fuck yeah. Wow. He's the best. Um, But anyway. uh, Girl power. So yeah. Yeah. How is that feed into the patriarchy? Well, I think that's an interesting thing because 
my whole sort of like rant on all of this ends up being that I don't necessarily think we need to be raising stronger girls. I think we need to be raising kinder men. And I think when you um, elicit the idea of girl power, it sort of puts these masculine values into women. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thought is that maybe we just get rid of those masculine values altogether because maybe nobody needs to be on top maybe nobody Mm. needs to be better than anyone else you know and so the notion of girl power can sometimes seem to me like a little bit um almost in the wrong direction almost like instilling some of these patriarchal values in in women Mm. yeah right And and also a lot of it is like I feel like it's like a faux power anyway because like saying girl power does not actually make you more powerful and so it's a much longer process and I feel like girl power kind of hits at women the same way so many things are marketed to us and it's like you know we're gonna make this razor pink and we're gonna make this girl power like an accessible fun phrase Mm -hmm. but that's not really getting down to the root of it which is also my same issue with feminism totally and the way it's being like rebranded right now yeah but it's kind of in a it's a a very uh shallow totally and I think part of why I even part of why my like mind almost exploded when I discovered people like Bell Hooks and Carol Gilligan um who are these women that have also shared these values is because when I was a kid and I'm, I mean, I say a kid because I moved to New York to go to college when I was 17 years old. And I was... Me too, yeah. Yeah, and I was like with all these strong women, or, you know, just any girl who moves to New York when they're 17 is a fucking strong badass. Strong yeah. <laughs> So I was with, you know, and there was a lot of talk about feminism. And I was coming oh. from a place of... But like all of this sounds so man-hating to me and I don't hate men. What and were I've some things that were thrown out there from other people that led you to believe that? Because I, I always thought patriarchy was, uh, when, when people are protesting and they, they have signs and they say destroy the patriarchy, I always equated that to fuck men, not literally fucking them, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, let's Screw take them, them down. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not, I don't. That's not the message we should be. I think the message, obviously, I think it needs to be like empower men, empower men to like feel feel their feelings and to feel vulnerable and all of that. But I think when you talk about like my first ideals of feminism, I don't, I can't cite a specific example of like something that someone said to me, but for a long time, I was like, I don't hate men. I don't, I just, and, and for a long time, I think, if someone was to ask me, are you a feminist? I don't know if I would have said yes. Right. Because I think that's a, it's a really confusing thing is when you're someone who's coming maybe from the perspective that I'm coming from. And then Corinne, to your point of like the rebranding of it. Yeah, it's something seems, um, it seems like we do need to go deeper with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like, and I've said this before, like, I don't know. I just don't know how how empowered we do actually have to make women feel. I don't know if that's coming out right in the sense that I just feel like all the women I know are so strong and are so capable and are so fearless. And I think that some of the work maybe could go to making men more aware of that and also less scared of that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I think men and women are so much more similar than everybody else 
knows, but it's because we are raised so differently that yeah. we perceive men and women as from Mars and from Venus. Mm-hmm. And well, there's that's different types is. of, I mean, man, you know, we, we all know a very sensitive, me- I mm-hmm. know men much more sensitive than me. And I'm not a good example because I'm not super sensitive, but I also know men who are like, you know, an impenetrable wall. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this reminds me of, I was on a business panel, like entertainment business, and it was uh, for like the comedy industry a while back. And a it was a bunch of successful women um, kind of giving feedback to people who are aspiring comedians or whatever it may be. And a lot of us were giving advice. And basically the advice was to succeed, kind of act more like a traditional man. I actually, I actually stand by that in Mm -hmm. today's society. Um, It's also what comes natural to me. So it's like, I am not, I don't feel like I'm uh, betraying my uh, natural instincts in any way by acting in that manner. Mm -hmm. But I also realize like if we're going on gender as a spectrum, uh, I definitely, especially with business, I'm leading a little more stereotypically male. But one woman on the board did kind of point out, she's like, the thing that I'm hearing in this room is that in order to succeed, we must kind of emulate uh, what men are doing. And she's like, why don't we just learn how to succeed in our own way? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting yeah. point, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it. I was, I was like, that's good, some good food for thought. I yeah, think that yeah. every woman and man has their own uh, levels of masculine and feminine, too. Because like we always yeah. say, we're like masculine chicks mm-hmm. for, for women. Right, but, but I still unquote. feel very much like I, there was never been a time when I'm like, oh, maybe I was born right. with the well, wrong yeah. genitalia kind well, of totally. thing. Well, that's dysphoria, right? I mean, yeah, I just feel like I feel very, much like I am like a woman I feel very heterosexual and like now it's weird being around in this time because people are like well you're probably pretty gay and I'm like well that's (laughs) not fair if I'm allowing you to be wherever you are on the spectrum you have to you have to accept what I feel and know 32 years into living on the planet sure yeah and I think to like to your point I think that makes a lot of sense in the way of like I a lot of the times people will just sort of do patterns that felt comfortable to them in childhood and so Mm. I'm coming from a place where my mom did get up and go to work every day and Mm -hmm. not because she felt like she had to make money but because she loves her career and she still gets up and goes to work every day and so the ideal motivation yeah and so it's like I you're so I think that like you know unfortunately that's the perspective and not unfortunately but that's the perspective I'm coming at it from and I think that's like can be sort of troubling in the way of like I'm like, no, I don't have to act like a man. I act like my mom. Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> but right. it's like, that's like, but yeah, of course, that's the example yeah. you have. And so I, I, <laughs> I, I'm lucky maybe that I had that example. But I also think there can be a way where we shift the focus from trying to, you know, be like men or be so powerful. Because I think that if we start, when we start to equate um, power and hierarchy uh, like in, in like that way of like without the love or without yeah. the, the um, vulnerability I think no matter who you are even if you have like the best job in the world you're gonna feel disconnected mm-hmm. and and not vulnerable with the people around you well and I think it makes a lot of sense why you were uh, the word the phrase feminism was brought to your attention and you were like what because you never felt the need for you never felt unequal yeah so you just were yeah. And so to, to to say it out loud is like, is really redundant. Like mm-hmm. when you sleep, your eyes are closed. You, yeah. yeah, no shit. What, what do you, why do we need to say this? Right. Kind of thing maybe. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, I think, I think I do have um, a specific perspective and that could be shifting some of my views, obviously. But. And uh, so what are ways like um, where, 
you see or you've you've noticed that little boys and little girls veer into these stereotypical ways like you were mentioning earlier to me about how young boys are typically raised by their mom as the parent that's the one in their life and so then they equate masculinity as oh I'm different from you because you're my main parent is yeah that yeah sort of I think that I think that when you really get down to a lot of this stuff and you can talk about it with like these big words and stuff but if you really get down to it I think what happens a lot is that we're born and you know we have these like big personalities whether you want to um say nature or nurture sometimes I think that argument is like futile based on people that are influenced by other people and people that are not you know and that oh, sort of true. like you just kind of come out and are, you're going to either be influenced by people or you won't so um mm, okay. you know that's true I'm very easily I'm very naive and like that was just how I am so I fall into that all the time like Corinne is just not like that at all so she just goes her own path right so are you more nature is Corinne more nurture or vice versa right. like no like anyway but but that being said I think um most of the time a boy has like a mom or like a female as their caregiver and so as they grow up in those first five years when their brain is changing shape the most that it ever will they're starting the seeds are being planted and they're starting to equate maturing or maturation with being different than the thing that is teaching them and so when you start to equate growing up and becoming a boy and then becoming a man with being different and being isolated and being alone, that's what masculinity turns into. And so you start to like, so people that are, so masculinity is this, this isolation. It's being on, it's being better than, it's being stronger than, it's being more powerful than. Is Um, there a way to flip that though? Like if you're like, say you're like a single mom with no, mm -hmm. uh, with no male in the household, is there a way to flip that or to say we are the same while raising someone? It seems like you could, you could flip it a little bit. Yeah, I think that you can. I think, um, Another thing, um, Bell Hooks talks a lot about this in her book um, in terms of the mother-son relationship. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, which, is lo- fascinating cause which is fascinating because it's so fascinating. <laughs> it's usually real fucking weird. It's, yep. I, I yeah, agree. and I would say, I would probably argue that father-daughter is probably just the same and, and daughter-mother is weird. That can get weird, too. Weird. I mean, it's all weird, but yeah. yes, mother-son is I'm very... I'm obsessed is, with mother-son. Yeah. Like, yeah. mother-son <laughs> affects relationships into life in a way that I don't think daddy-daughter does. Like, even yeah. if it's a weird relationship, that usually doesn't come into romantic relationships yeah, as heavy later on. Yeah, I don't put my dad first on. over my boyfriend. Except for, I mean, like, there's like things like daddy issues in that mm-hmm. you need the love and attention of men. I think that's where it comes in, but I feel like so often in relationships, like, there are times when I'm like, am I fighting your mom for like the role of woman in your life? Because yeah. I'm not going to have that fight. Right. Go suck yeah. on our tits. Good for you. Yeah. Like, no, thank <laughs> and you. And that's probably what you're saying. I think directly yeah. correlates. They just totally. So I think um, what can happen a lot. And like I said, Bell Hooks mentions this in, in her book, The Will to Change, which I was so d- amazing. But um, mm. she mentions that a lot of the times what's happening in those relationships is that the female, because she doesn't feel comfortable asserting her power over the man even a little in boy. her life even if you're a single mother and or you know in, in some capacity she's not asserting the power that she wants and this could be because she has a she doesn't her boss at work is really rude to her or you know like her, she has a crappy doorman I don't know there's like <laughs> cer- all sorts of ways that we're not asserting our power over men you know and um so maybe she's not asserting her power and then often what we'll do all humans is we'll take that out on people that are just a little bit weaker than us and so mm-hmm. what happens a lot in to women is that they can actually be taking out a lot of their frustrations with the men in their life on their sons and um I think huh. yeah and I, I think, feel like I've seen that a lot right and then I think a lot of sons 
um, grow up and they're it's a mind upset. Fuck. Because because that's the person who raised you, right? And then not only did you know if, if you're the mom was the primary parent in your life, not only are you associating like growing up into a man as being oh I am different from this woman who raised me, but then on top of like the great things, she also was like kind of cunty to me because X Y Z. Yeah, and you it's know? so subconscious. Too. Yeah, and I that's, think that's like it comes part. from a place of just not deciding to do the work or break the patterns that we have, you know, and like with that kind of stuff. Um, Is that more common though? Because I feel like the relationships I see are more like the little boy being coddled and the girl kind of being given... I mean, I definitely know my mom was easier on them. My brother, he's also, I think she was just tired because he's the second kid. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say my brother. So they're always more lax on it. But I just, I definitely feel like. Uh, yeah. So I think what kind of can happen is yeah. that in that first bit of time, there maybe is like a displaced frustration that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, um, it switches because the mom may often realize that she has now pushed her son into this masculine world that maybe isn't the best she didn't mean to shape him like that or maybe isn't what she wants and then perhaps there's some guilt there and I think that that can happen too and I think ultimately Mm. um more so than maybe any of these points uh women are really subservient to men and if that man is your two-year-old son maybe that's what that looks like you know yeah yeah. Um, if that man is your you know like I said, your shitty doorman. I don't know, but like yeah, I think that I think that something. can happen. I think mm. that can happen. And yeah. what about um, the concept, which I think, God, I I don't know how he changes, but the idea that men are valued for what they do. Yeah, yeah, always, and mm-hmm. women are valued for who they are slash how they look. Yeah, no, that's a big one. I think. Yeah, men are their value. Men are often valued for what they do. Women are valued for who they are. And I think, I think you see it all the time. So and what do you mean, like, like who, joining who a band are. for pussy? I mean, that's a prime example, right? What does who they are mean? What is because I'm like obviously I know uh, what they look like. That's a huge thing. But yeah. like, what do you mean who they are? I guess like I mean like um, when when women get chastised for not using enough exclamation points. Oh, they weren't very nice in their email. Oh, for their like demeanor. Yeah, for their demeanor. Exactly. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah, and I think that women are often valued like for who they are and, that's and not why what they we, do you know what I mean like, like who oh, they are, is how she they look. nice is exactly. she how, how often I'm gonna does that be happen, people pleasing you know? like, and I'm gonna right. have cleavage but men right. are so valued for what they do so right. then if you have someone who a man who doesn't have a job because of whatever reason yeah and he's not making the most money for his family there's a lot of of detrimental behaviors that can come from that because he ultimately feels he's not being valued in the larger mm. world man you know? I was on hinge dating app and I was on the train with Melissa and there's this Hot, the hottest guy hottest 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 guy I was like holy shit how is he single and he fucking said he worked at Trader Joe's and mm. I was like yeah, nope that's why and that's fucking, Although that's, that's the that's kind a, of person that I would date yeah. I would date that I always find <laughs> someone hot with something wrong with them in that yeah. I would you know <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't yeah. want to see there's anything wrong with working at Trader Joe's but at a certain point there is yeah. right <laughs> but but also like I value men for what they do certainly yeah and that's why you see a lot of hot mm. chicks dating like you know because with the fucking finance job and I think it's another way of saying that too is that we judge them so we judge men for what they do we judge women for who they are you know like we're not like there's so many women that are like being amazing and being like doing all these incredible things and we're sort of just always more concerned with like how is their but were they nice to you well I'm always surprised when a hot chick is smart (laughs) I'm always surprised when a hot chick is smart yeah yeah yeah. always and that makes me like come on Christina really yeah but always and and aren't we all sort of surprised when like guys are nice? Yeah. Like guys with really good jobs are nice. You're like, oh. I'm turned off, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. 
Karen wants that patriarchy like marked down, right into her pussy. Well, I'm, now that I know that I'm a part of it, I'm definitely, might as, might as it, well fuck it. I'm definitely it. on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So um, that's just, yeah, that's that whole concept just feels. Yeah. And just the way young boys. So how do we raise young boys then? If, if, uh, if the focus should be on that, which I agree, that's really how you're going to get to the root of, of the issue. And it's why, you know, we talk about, um, control and anger stems from fear what did you say anger is the blanket over fear and powerlessness yeah 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 that was like yeah i was like damn girl that's a good quote yeah that's a um that's a something i think i heard that from laura markham i'm just trying to credit everyone that i hear these things i feel like it's important (laughs) she's amazing but um yeah i think that that overall can really uh because what can happen, I think, a lot, and this happens with boys and girls, and that's why I'm saying um, it, it's not just a male thing. It's not necessarily just a boy thing. Um, but there can be this um, sheen of anger over the idea of like being able to control your environment or being able to assert your power. And ultimately, I think that that's always sort of a blanket over the, the fear and powerlessness that – uh, we feel and so what is the where does the fear and powerlessness stem from just childhood trauma parents fighting like because we all have we're all afraid we're all yeah. and, and it, it was so interesting that the last week on the podcast I just wanted to talk about you know my deep dark depression that I was experiencing at the time because I couldn't you know it was just encompassing me engulfing me and um and I got so many emails from dudes yeah that like they got a divorce or they're they just broke up with their girlfriend or wife or whatever and uh and and they were like thank you so much for you know articulating what I couldn't really articulate and then the emails I got from women were like it was just so nice to hear I'm not the only one but Mm -hmm. with the men they were all like I couldn't put words to these feelings I'm like that's exactly what Jean talks about yeah well well, statistically also um I don't know I I I, this is research I think I found when uh writing our book but I don't know if it actually made it into the book or not but uh men uh statistically take longer to get over a breakup than women Oh, that you did. I think that is in the book because so, I remember going. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so <laughs> when I read that. Yeah. Because it was kind of like ha- processing grief and stuff. And I think a lot of times uh, women are considered to be more sensitive. But I think that's like in areas of like compassion. If you see like a, you know, a bird with its wing clipped or something on the street. But as far as we also do have a power to like walk away from re- relationships a little bit cold in a way that men kind of get attached I feel like the way a lot of relationships I see start is kind of like the woman is like going after the man but then the man ends up more invested in the relationship or like dependent on the relationship or a relationship like any relationship relationship. you know what I mean like like even if it's not that one with you necessarily yeah no but I think a lot of that has to do with the idea that some of the growth that men might feel is that it's stunted. So they can't be invested in the relationship fully Mm. because they can't be fully vulnerable. Mm, And so they're going to cling to a new relationship or they're going to get in deep really quickly and stay in there for a really, really long time because they haven't necessarily been giving the coping mechanisms for that because Mm -hmm. we don't always teach boys to be as vulnerable as we're teaching young girls. Yeah, what are ways Mm. that you've witnessed or read about that we shun a, a, a a young boy's um uh knee-jerk reaction to be vulnerable or how or how do we make them afraid to be vulnerable on accident really I think a lot of this happens yeah I mean I think any of I mean like the really like sort of classic examples feel very like B 
be a man. Mm-hmm. Boys don't cry. I hear like, that all, all the, of those things. My brother yeah. says it's my nephew all the time. And I hear it all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like any of those sort of like old adages like are just shunning away from that vulnerability even more. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that that vulnerability is fear that vulnerability is powerless and is love it is all of those things but if there's just going to be this like sheen of anger over all of that because they're not willing to go into that stuff or they're not willing to kind of go deep into it because they can't because they weren't given those skills what do we expect you know like how do we expect them to be uh completely whole in a relationship or completely sustaining um, mm-hmm. as a friend or something like that with the know? crying thing so now because yeah. you are an early childhood educator is there because I think you know I, I I hate that boys aren't allowed to cry but I also think that sometimes girls are too allowed to cry like I, there is a certain point when like just stop crying and find another way to you know, there, I think there's a middle ground there because I also I also don't think it's good to raise uh, you know a generation of kids where everyone's fucking like crying in the office and stuff totally. that's you know but you have totally. to know socially when it I mean when, but when, when you it cry, is acceptable though, is totally. it when you cry is that is that in you and that's how you're getting it out I, I don't know like well, can I, I just say talking, I, I can't say I feel yeah. like crying or I can't say like you know what I want to cry and then just cry I have to have it welling up inside me right but I think there also needs to be some kind of social not like uh, Dan Savage talks a lot about like uh, you, you part of uh, getting in a relationship is like so knowing having the wherewithal to understand that even if you feel very strongly about someone early that you do not let them know all of it just because it's scary so I think the same thing mm-hmm. can be uh, with crying where it's like yes even if you feel like crying you can socially um, understand that maybe I need to step away to the bathroom right now and not cry in the middle of this conference call totally yeah I think I think you're there's two really cool points that I feel like I can bring up one is to the idea that a lot of the times um when people that feel a little bit stunted in their vulnerability or sort of uh blocked in their vulnerability start to cry they're not really crying about the situation they're crying about 14 other things they didn't cry about yet Mm -hmm. um so when the crying feels very um overwhelming or loud or uh wailing and drooling wailing. all over yourself maybe I don't know <laughs> um I love you um, <laughs> or like you know like sort of like it just when it when it seems that large I think it is almost always about other things mm-hmm. so I think I would um sort of parade into the idea that we should just be crying like every day a little bit so that like <laughs> do you know what I mean but I mean in private right no 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 fully like okay today I t- so my I uh Um, I have like, you know, I was leaving my apartment today. I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and I like closed my door. I locked it. A few tears welled up. I let them happen. I walked to work and it was fine. Yeah. Same thing happened to me yesterday. So like, honestly, if I, and if I had just said like, get yourself together, Claire, like, come on, we got to go. I could leave. You're resisting it. Tonight and then have a crazy huge emotion. So I think there's something to that, but I also think there's something to the idea of teaching resilience. Right. And the only way you get to resilience is by feeling vulnerable because you can't be resilient to a big feeling until you have the big feeling and so I think that in order to bounce back from it Mm -hmm. you have to be in the care of someone that is not a scared of your big feelings um, is willing to sit with you while you have those big feelings but then is also willing to explain to you that 
you know, once that's over, and this is very like early childhood, you know, once yeah. that's over, mm-hmm. I still love you. I still care about you. I wasn't scared when you were doing that. And now, now here's how we can feel better after that. That's an interesting mm-hmm. point of the adult isn't, uh, doesn't show any signs of being terrified of a child's big emotions because huge, the second yeah. a kid feels that, which is always subconsciously because we don't have that kind of vocabulary yet. Yeah. The second you feel that you go, oh, I got to put this pushes down. Totally. And if they if they're a mess, it's like, you know, everybody who had to be the parent to their parent growing up is a is a, a specific type of fucked up person. I am one of them. It does create this resilience, but it's because I used uh, I used and didn't use certain emotions because they were to me, they were weapons. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. also like, you know, I think it's like if we've all seen like a kid fall and cry a regular amount and then depending on the how the parent reacts to that injury, like like you, you, I've seen some like a panicked mom go over and then the panic that the mom has makes the kid cry harder mm-hmm. because they're not actually crying because of the physical pain. That was the initial cry was at the level that the, that to, you know, say this is how much this hurts. But then the panic causes fear, which makes the kid more scared and makes them cry more yeah and I think that's right like the the panic of of a somebody who sort of, and like you know we all as adults have to have our feelings too mm-hmm. but there is something to be said for holding the space for your young child to figure you have out to be, like, you have yeah. to seem like you're in control there's nothing worse than being around an adult as a child who seems out of control oh, totally. I mean have you ever gone I used to go yeah I've been I remember times like being over someone's house whose parent was just like not in control and like I'm coming from advice because I came from a very controlled household mm-hmm. but also so like if you're fucking out of control don't invite neighborhood kid while you're going through a divorce because I can't no. that's not I would go home and be and I would just like give my mom a list of people I'm like I don't want to go over her house anymore <laughs> yeah no way because I can't be around that <laughs> it's too much but I think that's like to your to so a few points too is like the idea that right we have to be able to like understand that kids can have big feelings and that's okay but also the resilience thing which I think I don't know. I think in our generation, some of that got lost. I think that's the whole thing with like giving everyone a trophy. I think that's yeah. the whole oh, thank idea. God. Not everyone no, deserves a reward. No, and it's because we, we didn't learn to lose. Yeah. We yeah. didn't. And so we're not going to be resilient. And so <sighs> That's when a, the crying face emoji in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never <laughs> learn to lose. No, really. I'm Jesus like, Christ. So if I get one more email, like <laughs> I didn't get a ticket and this is, this is my Holocaust. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a thought and then it just yeah. left. But, but. Aside from all of that, um, if we are scared of our young boys having just as many feelings as our young girls, we are going to be sending some pretty strange messages. Yeah. This is the metaphor that I was going to bring up. The piano. That this this piano. Like having a piano. I I see it all the time because it's behind my couch. And I'm learning all these songs. And, you know when I have like took out the Ben Folds 5 music book and I was trying to learn this song, you have to fuck up and press the wrong keys and fuck up the rhythm hundreds of times. You have to. That is a building block of learning and memorizing this song and playing it well. All those little mess ups are are so... I can't see them as anything else other than necessary. I mean, you just because I've been recently like learning sheet music and memorizing songs lately, I'm like, oh, these, these little mistakes that I'm making it's not something to beat myself up over. It's, it's necessary. And I wish I'm trying to look at life like that. It's like all these fuck ups and all these things you need to learn to deal with the breakup. Like I'd never learned to deal with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, right. Like, but you are, well, I am now. And what if you just never, ever, ever did, you know, like what if, and not just resiliency, but what if you were taught, like you don't even get to be sad about that. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of men who, um, 
And I know women can be abusive too. And that's why all of these things, they don't, when I say a lot of men, it's uh, women do this too. And yeah. it's because everybody has their own level oh, of yeah, masculine totally. feminine. But when men respond with violence or men are violent towards their, their wives or their partners, it's, it, I so see, it, it almost doesn't even make me mad because I'm like, I just feel so sad yeah. because there was a time when you were a young boy that no one allowed you to feel feelings. And you know, that's so tragic. Yeah. You know, also, you're just maybe a trash person. Well, that's that see, could and be that's, a big part of no, it. No, and, and I love and that you guys are. I know, and I love that you guys are both here because you sound so much like what I talk to my therapist about in the sense of like, <laughs> like I I do We're have all this compassion. Like I have so right. much compassion. This is clearly what I spend many hours of my day doing. Like, <laughs> not many hours of my day, but a lot of hours of my life. Um, it you know, learning about males' vulnerability. But then there's this other side where it's like, yeah, but it can't be an excuse. Right. It has to be. Yeah. And I think that that's the caveat is that like, sure, um, we can we that's why it sort of it needs to start at early childhood, because if we can push and we can um, really uh, help our young our young children, all of them to feel all of these feelings, then when we get older, maybe we won't have some other other bigger issues because at this point if you are a man and you are asserting your power in really violent ways be it emotionally physically um sexually um there's no excuse for that mm-hmm. right and but, but and i think that took me a long time to get yeah. to you honestly because i was just sort of like making up all of these like theories in my head and mm-hmm. i think i i want to make sure that that's really loud and clear that like that's work that they have to do. No person on the other end of that is responsible for that or um, in any way needs to make that an excuse. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were talking about how understand, you know, none of these points that we're talking about and all the books that you've read, they're not excuses. They're just knowledge. So you could take that knowledge and have understanding and then go from there. But accountability is so important. But, um, totally, you know, your, your very first romantic relationship was seemed like a dream. It seemed wonderful. Yeah. It was just so sweet. It yeah. was just like such a sweet, gentle, <laughs> great <time>. thing. <laughs> How old were you? Um, young, like 18, like okay. just in co- high school and college, you know what I mean? And it was just like a person who I had known really well. And, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. And um, and you were in a relationship, though, uh, at, at one point in your life after that where it uh, the guy wasn't that, wasn't the type of man that you grew up with, basically a sweet, kind, vulnerable, caring person. And so it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious about your, ugh, whatever another word for journey is, between learning these things and actually applying them to your life and how you interact with a man who uses fear tactics, uses manipulation. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of the curiosity stemmed from that relationship, quite honestly. Oh, yeah, that because, makes sense. Because, um, Corinne, as you say, like, it, like you know, <laughs> you see some crazy stuff out there. <laughs> You're just like, okay, like, what's going on here? Um, but I think ultimately, um, I did have to come to a place where it couldn't be an excuse anymore. And I did have to recognize that I was I was being like there were power dynamics at play and uh, it took you a uh, while to realize it took me a really long takes, time it takes a fucking second to realize right that because shit. I wasn't privy to it in any way well, when you, you love know? someone you're also blinded by it totally. you know it's like I, I see I feel like I can see right through almost anyone unless I'm dating them right that's oh a, yeah, that's interesting a, that's so well said it's the person yeah because yeah, that's the person that you're going to give the most lee- leeway to and like you yeah. know 
yeah. or my dog, but I mean, I don't think he's really that part <laughs> of the patriarchy. Yeah, 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 it's not trying to power play you. Yeah, you know, it's, that's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think that like, and again, I've said this to Christina, but like, I don't want to, I, I try not to spend too much time you know psychoanalyzing other people because it always is a distraction from working on yourself but but yeah. in True, that but way like I, I do feel like um in that specific relationship that you're talking about Christina there I think there was an element of perhaps um frustration that I I wasn't afraid of him yeah and he didn't like that you weren't afraid of it and, and I don't know I wonder but I've, I mean, I've mm. I have wondered that about a lot of men that I've met even uh, when you meet a man, even not in a some whether you're at a bar with a bunch of girlfriends, a guy comes up to you, or if you just just in anywhere when you mm-hmm. meet a man, sometimes I felt as though they are mad that I'm not afraid of them, and I've never really I when you said that I was like that's the feeling that I felt with with some men and and some women mostly men, but uh, I think that's so interesting, and that obviously stems from I mean fear on their mm-hmm. part well of- basically the yeah the way to get to get through to almost any bully and and why in my life I've really can honestly say I've pretty much never been bullied mm-hmm. is because if you immediately let the bully know hey this bullshit's not gonna work on me to the point where you're mm-hmm. like hey punch me in the face if you want to because I know you're not gonna yeah because yeah. you're a pussy <laughs> uh so if you let that be known kind of immediately but you gotta nip it in the butt immediately I yeah. mean I've had a couple of, set the precedent yeah because I've had like a boss who definitely was like very pissed that I wasn't afraid of him but like I worked at that place for many many years right uh I feel like you have you gotten that a lot uh, Men aren't men specifically aren't. Yeah, and then a lot of things they'll try to do is they'll try to manipulate me by letting me know that because of my behavior, they are not sexually attracted to me. Although Uh, I am, they will say this thing like, although I am aesthetically pleasing, if if I was just more palatable in my personality, that they would be attracted to me. As if them wanting to fuck me is some gift they are giving me, and in some way uh, gives me more value. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bitch. I see through this. I was trying to fuck you anyway. But it's like, I, I mean, like anyone who's watched one episode of The Pickup Artist knows all of this. I mean, I knew it before, but I mean, like that show is should be recommended viewing for any woman. I know it's a show for men. It sh- every woman should go VH1 The Pickup Artist. Wow, okay. You can learn so much from Mystery. Male He's tactics. this fucking douchebag who's walking around like the Mad Hatter, but he gives away all these secrets that people who don't really have any depth, mostly targeted towards men, will use... Uh, to manipulate women in a social setting. And yeah. it is like, it's, it was great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't his intention, yeah. but that's definitely what that but did. I no, I'm like, you're giving me all the secrets. Yeah. Yeah. This is on, I was like, this is well, not on when my career. And I wonder too, like in the event that you're in, in these relationships yeah. with these people and you're sort of like, okay, I'm not afraid of you. And this is, this is that people as a way to get out of, vulnerable situation they want to be afraid they want to be feared Uh, and so like to get out of that vulnerable situation they just want to be someone that's like on top like I said equating masculinity with isolation and Mm. being better than being stronger than being more powerful than I wonder if that's why guys do the negging thing I never heard of that word until you said it Corinne and I was like what is that what what is that just saying like the pickup artist yeah it's the pickup artist like a guy would insult you to get you to like him yeah and and, and, ever since you defined that word and I heard it uh, every time I see it I Mm. see it when guys do it like 
Well, people oh, try to neg me all the time. Yeah, all, and I see it all the time with men and you specifically. So, like the, the way you use negging is really you have to. You, it's usually uh, you can use negging when once you're in a romantic relationship to manipulate someone, but yeah. usually primarily it's used uh, in a in a group setting where there's multiple people. So basically, if I was trying to hit on you, mm-hmm. I would tr- and but Christina was also with you. I would say something rude about you. Be like, oh, is that what you chose to wear? And then compliment Christina oh my god your hair looks great but really I'm not trying to date Christina I'm I'm trying to date you but I just know but in my head I think maybe perhaps you are this like you have a stronger more hard to penetrate personality so that I need to knock you down so that you're at a level I can handle well yeah Mm. so you so you need to make someone afraid of you so that you can be more powerful I guess them. men nag me yeah. then because they know I'll fall for it <laughs> not anymore but I would get that a lot and I uh, never knew it was never knew it was happening yeah and I was like why are you being so mean and then they got me yeah I'm if, not I don't want to fuck them but I'm in the conversation now yeah that's right because it's a good tactic to right. use on either people with a really tough personality or, or people, people who are really hot too um because it's like that's how you can get someone out of your league. That's true. Uh, because people who are hot, really oh hot, God. are so often <laughs> talked to in in Dude. such a uh, like a like a like a goddess. Yeah. Remember yeah, when yeah. I nagged? That's so crazy, Lil- guys! You're blowing my Dude, mind with this concept. I nagged. I'm obsessed with the pickup artist. I'm obsessed with him. I did this <laughs> tactic crazy. to Lil Dicky. He's a rapper. Yeah. At a party. His name is Lil Dicky, and I know Corinne. I didn't know about him. But Corinne loves him, and and was and he was at this party we were at. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna try and get him on the podcast because Corinne was like, oh, I really want to talk to him. I was but so you, excited you didn't know what to he say. was there. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, I got this. And I go up in line behind him in the bathroom. I'm like, Hey, are you a comic? No, no, I'm a rapper. I'm like, You're, are you're a rapper? Because he's serious? like a short little white guy. Yeah. And so he's it's a like, Jewish dude. Yeah. yeah. And then I go, Really, a rapper? What's your rap name? Lil Dicky, Lil Dicky is your rap name. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he's like, well, "What do you do?" I'm a I'm a comedian. I have a podcast called Guys We Fucked. He's like, "I would love to come on it." He offered, Holy and I didn't even have to ask. And I'm like, "God damn it, that, that works. is so far." So beyond. it's not yeah. it's not something I mean, you can only use on women. No, no, no. Ladies. Well, and I guess that's like sort of my like that's like you know the point it's power play though of a lot of this stuff is that like you know it isn't necessarily just towards men, but I right. think you know like you <laughs> obviously know, women. Um, women are just so, so strong and, and, and to feel like we need to be controlled or that like that has to be part of our narrative. is just so frustrating. I don't yeah. know. It just like frustrates me so much. Because yeah. Cause I know so many women who've just risen up out of, out of uh, situations and occasions that no one taught them how to be strong and resilient. They just had to force. And those are the women who had it in them all along and men yeah. are the same way. It's like the men who rise up out of these terrible situations that resilience wasn't taught to you that's nature well and I know yeah and I know a lot of men who are like great yeah. and like can handle their feelings and know how to like uh have a vulnerable conversation with you and know how to be there with you when you're having a vulnerable moment yeah. you know and so mm-hmm. I think like it is possible it's a, it's a totally possible thing when you go out on dates because I'm actually I'm going out on a date yeah. um just because I want to try it out I want, it's like tr- tr- learning how to ride a bike yeah like, I just want to like figure out how to is there a way that you can go out on a date with a person and get vulnerable without, you know, it's like the opposite of nagging, but for vulnerability. You know well, what I'm saying? I always end up talking about vulnerability in little boys and it really shuts like the whole scene down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta go. No, I just um, get, they're like, wait, um, I'm always like, I'm sure your mom did a great job with you, but um, <laughs> that's nagging. No, 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 I know exactly. Um, I know. I mean, I mean, 
I don't know. Like, I think like the, yeah. That's, I'm curious like how you did. Yeah. Like you, you've gone on dates yeah, before. Yeah, and yeah, of course. Are there ways that you kind of see like, where will this person let me go? I mean, first date, obviously, you don't know anything about mm-hmm. each other. But, you know, I always ask, what do you do for a living? Not because I, well, the Trader Joe's thing, I guess, is I do care. But yeah. I'm just like, oh, what are you curious and passionate about? Yeah. You know what I do a lot? I'll ask about their friends because I think oh. that men that have friends is actually very telling. Why do um, men don't have friends? Yeah. Because it's hard because having friends is vulnerable and having friends mm. is is difficult. And I don't think that you need mm. to have like a thousand friends. I definitely don't have a thousand friends. But <sighs> the friends that I do kidding. have, but the friends that I do have are very intimate and and it's very personal personal and I feel like I can get very vulnerable in front of them and um I think that that is a really good marker for someone who like perhaps will go to a deeper place with you it's yeah like, and you know and that's I'm true good I'm tip. always like okay like how long have you known your friends what are they right. like, <laughs> yeah what's that softball team and yeah also, like the boyfriend I had that who was like I would say the kindest he was the like his group of friends was my favorite to hang out oh. with uh and like because I usually really hate hanging out with people's friends yeah my, my last relationship was different because we had these same friends sure, sure. so that was nice and easy but like oh my god there are some exes where like they're friends where I deserve an award for even <laughs> hanging out with them. Yeah. yeah Real yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that I totally, I relate to that in like a big way, I think. And, and I also relate to the idea of someone having like no friends and making that feel... And why that? I don't know. That's yeah. also dangerous because then if you enter a relationship with that person, you're going to be their only thing Ugh. in their life. Yeah. And that's, that's not good. No one can handle that no. amount of pressure. No, that's no not, one wants that's that. That's not fair. That's not fair. One of the common thing that um, Gina and I were talking about, Karim, before you got here was um, shaming and public shaming and how, you know, that's not good, you know, and, <laughs> and how, but. My favorite topic. I'm but, so interested well, to talk about it. Yeah, because <laughs> and we, we arrived at this conclusion that, you know, if... If I have a boyfriend, um, like that, the one guy I dated who uh, we had an incident where he stuck his dick in my ass and I said no and right. pushed me off. And, right. you know, I, I we talk, we happened to talk about it because I could get through to him right away. And I right. saw that and I felt that and he felt it and it felt it felt like we wrapped up the situation. We truly yeah. did. And it didn't happen again kind of thing. And that was the right way to take it. But when that's not the case and they're like, I didn't fucking do anything. Sometimes with sexual assault, we see it a lot. And with dark areas of life like pedophilia the only way to get somebody to truly confront what's happening to them and who they are and question it is by shaming them and we're trying to think well what's Mm. an equally effective method to shame because if I just go up to you and I go you rape me and they're like whatever bye Mm -hmm. it's not gonna do anything because they have this wall up but for some reason shame can penetrate those walls for something that's so deeply rooted. It and can. we're just trying to think about it. I just think it's yeah. dangerous because uh, like the public has taken uh, deciding who gets shamed into their own hands. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind Bad. of like what you were talking about before with like psychoanalyzing other people. It's just really taking uh, the eyes away from looking within. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like all these things, it's, you know, there's a lot of instances of it now, like with especially with like racism and stuff. And like someone says one thing and then their entire career is taken away. And I'm not saying that I want a bunch of racists walking around and then I, I, absolutely people People should be paying for this but like it's I mean uh, it's it's very I'm very the, the environment I don't know becomes how I tense. feel about it the environment becomes very very tense and I feel that all the time when someone says something like that and they're fired or or you know uh, Louis CK's HBO specials are removed right. from HBO because he, he had a, a 
shitty judgment call a couple yeah. times like it's then, also dangerous like 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 feeling like you're being videotaped all the time mm-hmm. with all these people you know all these like permit patties and such and it's like yeah don't call a fucking little black girl uh, the cops on a little black girl selling lemonade because that's or whatever she was it was you know water that's yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy but also uh we can't be just like videotaping everything everyone is doing all the time and i mean yeah. there's instances where people are actually getting assaulted and instead of helping we're fucking videotaping but here yeah. here's the yeah. here's the thing that 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 i wonder and i don't i don't know the answer to this but that that woman who was taped right. uh, uh calling the cops on that black kid who's trying to sell water right she if if she wasn't taped and it wasn't all over the news, I mean, she was embarrassed. I mean, well, hopefully she was embarrassed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but you would, you would say like what happened to her is embarrassing, right? But, right. Uh, you know, if if that mother didn't tape the woman and just said, are you fucking kidding me? You're calling the cops on my child for selling water? You mm-hmm. fucking idiot. You know, maybe the cops come and they're like, yeah, this is stupid. Maybe she feels a little bit of twinge of like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. But for whatever reason, shaming makes you... It makes you go backwards too much, I think. Mm-hmm. And you question every little thing. And that's why we have these environments of tenseness of like men saying like, I can't even say a woman looks hot. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Act like a goddamn human and you're fine. Yeah. But what is another way we could, we could, that's instead of shame, that replaces shame, but that also is just as or close to that effective. Right. Cause my, the, for the, just for that, like my, my danger with that is like, number one, I don't think that lady is any less racist because of that experience. If anything, oh, okay. I think she's probably more racist. Ah. Uh, and is just going to now just know, well, go it's with going her, back in the- with her white friends and talk about, you know, how bad black people are and that they ruined her life. And then also, I think the, oh, yeah, the yeah. level at which she was shamed was probably not, uh, at the same level that it should have been. So like, yeah, she did something shitty. Right. Uh, uh, hopefully the cops are and we can't count on them are logical enough to know, to see that but then also like she's getting death th- threats in response so I don't right. think and it's like that's not that I don't think that the, those the things are uh, yeah and so it's like when we leave uh, you know that's why we have you know uh, a, a judicial system because the yeah. regular people were fucking hanging people yeah totally when they right. stole yeah. like yeah. you know yeah. an orange yeah right. and it's like <laughs> and we're the, like let's right. redo this and we're <laughs> it's these extremities and yeah. it's like why can't we just dial both of the extremes down like just a dial it down a little right but i do agree there is a place for shame it's just i feel like now it's become completely blown out of proportion yeah i'm definitely not an advocate for shaming people i don't think that that yeah i think like you got like we've sort of shame is just a terrible the idea that like when you're confronting someone with something that perhaps could publicly shame them Mm. and then um you know the next in order to like you need as the person who's confronting them you need to do the work and you and I don't think that shaming is necessarily going to help you do the work and it's a it, you but think it's a power I wonder move oh it's a total a power move but I also wonder what happens when you feel like the other person isn't necessarily doing the work either yeah. so would mm. shaming like really make them and force them to do the work I probably will never find out I'm not interested in that but I just wonder like yeah. I don't know I, I think when mm. when I felt the need to shame somebody and I certainly have throughout my life it's always because I feel powerless and and I know I'm gonna dangle this shame key yeah. over your fucking face until you either fi- fix you or you're gonna get real embarrassed and that's totally. that, that's I mean that feels gross that's an evil like that's a it's a power move yeah and uh, yeah and again like if we go back to the idea that like the blanket over all of it is anger you know and like yeah. you're allowed to be angry and it's important to be angry and in fact I think there's quite a stigma on anger and you <sighs> I know, agree and um but getting to the root of it 
is probably pretty important because once you do, you can see like, oh yeah, I feel really powerless and that's why I want to do all these lash out sort of things. You know what I mean? In that mm-hmm. way, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. It's just an interesting, it's sort of How do we get topic. people to want to do the work of themselves? I mean, I feel like there's the first hurdle is realizing you have work to be done. I mean, I always think I'm this self-aware, introspective, always very emotional, but I really like try and allow myself to feel that all the time. But then like, you know, for example, that breakup taught me that, oh my God, I didn't see this other corner of my brain and mm-hmm. I didn't never went, I've been blocking it since I was little, like fuck like I think awareness of that it's but it's like how do you you don't know unless someone tells you that you got to do the work yeah. well I mean I think you'll figure it out through things like going through a major life event like a breakup because yeah. it's also not our responsibility to tell everyone to do work on themselves right. it's our responsibility to do work on ourselves and take the you know some personal responsibility which is consistently lacking in society and I think yep. going along with what you're saying like raising people who are always getting trophies it's real that's there's no personal responsibility mm-hmm. and you know everyone can blame someone else for some shortcoming and I think that's the danger that we're in right now with like equality you know gender equality and stuff well it's oh it's men's fault that we're behind well no maybe you should also knock on your boss's door and ask for a raise like no a man isn't holding you to your desk that Mm -hmm. so that you can't do that physically Mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's middle the middle ground is really the key and I think too when you think about maturing like you know uh, it's a relational process. It's a process that happens by relating to people. And it's a process that happens when you relate to people or when you decide to go and try to relate to people, you know? And I think, um, you know, like even like, like what you guys do, like it's so important because people need to hear people having dialogues and people right. talking back and forth because then at the very least, if you're cooking in your apartment, which I'm doing all the time, you know, like you can hear the dialogue, you can hear how people are relating mm-hmm. to each other. I and even if you're not partaking in it, you can kind of get there. But it, best case scenario is that you are partaking in it because you want to be changed on some right. level you know right. what I well, mean the and the person I think, who wants to better again, themselves and the person who doesn't right and again that relational process is only going to happen when you feel like you're not scared of the vulnerability of oh my gosh what if I don't know what to say what if I don't know right. what negging is like I don't know you know what I mean like yeah. I, you, so there's something vulnerable about even going to start that process and I think that when we talk about maturity or like growing um into a more developed sense of ourself generally that can only really happen when you're relate you know figuring out how you relate to yourself and how you relate to other people and I think a lot of people are especially nowadays are scared to have these vulnerable conversations because we are in such a shame happy society Mm -hmm. so like every week I feel like when we have this podcast like we are literally running the risk of uh ruining our entire career by saying something that someone is going to misconstrue isolate into a sound bite and then put on the internet Mm -hmm. and like so that's why it's so frustrating to me when we get emails like I can't believe you said that that was wrong that's not the word we're using what a closed-minded view uh because we do every now and then we do get a really well thought out email that says okay I see what you're saying but like let's flip it and if you just change the tone and make it so uh and make it not so accusatory or you are wrong it's like we need to be able to have conversations where we say something uh or use a word that maybe we're not using anymore and someone could be like you know what, we're not using that word anymore. Or, oh, that's not a, or I feel like that's a very closed-minded perspective. Or I come from a different background. Uh, I am this ethnicity or this gender. And I'm going to tell you that's not true based on my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You, um, 
you t- told me, I didn't read this, but I'm curious what you, what the main points were. You wrote uh, an essay on consent. Mm, and yeah. one of the things that led to the conversation to, because Corinne always, you always hear you say like, making a kid hug somebody is really fucked up. Oh yeah. And you I've been made, fighting against that since age four. Thank you everybody. <laughs> well, you, girl. And, and Jean was saying that, you know, she works with kids and they have to ask permission to hug you. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, I, want, I don't want to sound too Like every child in, in the way. world yeah. needs to ask. <laughs> yeah. No, but the idea, um, mostly how it relates to the other, to lot, like a lot of children. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am firmly believe that consent is something that is taught. It's not, it's certainly not something that we just come out knowing. That's insane. Um, I think it has right. to do with the idea of privilege and the privilege that you think you can just get whatever you want whenever you want it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like consent and privilege are very sort of like buzzy words right now. And so it's hard to like say them maybe and have people not sort of like tune out. But the idea that, um, yeah, no, I'm telling kids like, oh, please ask me before you give me a hug. Please um, ask before you uh, touch that person or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like make sure that they're asking because the truth is that we don't, uh, while we want to come from an authentic place with early childhood, there are some things that um, you can just plant the seeds early. And so a kid doesn't necessarily, I don't tell the, my kids like the political implications of you asking for me for a hug. Right, like right, I'm not right. being like, because you know, I read in the news last week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. me too no, a kid. Don't no. make me. But the idea that like, it just gives the it just gives you pause, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to go and think. run up and grab someone. Wait, mm-hmm. it, my practice, my script, my understanding of what that is, is that no, first you ask. Right. And that it, it's like when when a, a sexual abuse happens and stuff and, and sexual assault, it's like, you know, one of the things that when we talk about consent all the time is like you, it's, what consent is, is uh, part of what it is, is taking a fucking second before you just go into something and just take it you know and just having that wait a second that's that's the seed that is so if that's not planted oh then you get monsters right right even here like with when we do like you know meet meet do meet and greets or whatever i've like talked a lot about how i like don't love hugging people i don't know uh for many reasons i don't (laughs) like to but, but you know and part of it is also because for me that takes value away from hugs for people I know a long time because mm-hmm. if I'm hugging everybody what is the a hug is not special anymore yeah. um, so but I mean people have started like saying like can I hug you and like there's never been a time when I said no but it does feel nice to have someone ask before they kind of like jump on to you or just say like I gotta hug you and it's Run like in well your arms, yeah. even if you feel the need that you have to hug me uh, it's a, this is a, this is a two way operation totally and like yeah. perhaps I don't want to do that right now yeah, yeah. I saw um, a good friend of you know a, fr- a friend of mine did a show her I should her name is Diana oh she's amazing um but she did a show and she did a like an audience participation thing and mm-hmm. it was you know it was definitely like I I don't see like a ton of theater but it was like some downtown like theater like it was <laughs> experimental it was, shit it, yeah it was yeah. cool it Black was amazing <laughs> um but she did this one segment where she asked if anyone wanted to come on stage and um and I I apologize if I'm not getting this perfectly right but basically like asking to practice consent mm-hmm. so she invited someone up on stage oh, and she <laughs> asked a- like you know just like asked them very nicely like can I kiss you? Mm-hmm. And like, then they would kiss. And then it was like, oh, can I um, like touch your neck or something? And then, that would, and Did it was like, fucking? no, 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 Good. it didn't go much further than that. But it Darn. was like, 
it was like uncomfortable because it was not it was so anti what I'm used to seeing like you're used to just seeing like two people like run and like jump on each other and it was like Mm -hmm. and it was so polite and so kind and so gentle and it just it really made me think about like how we sort of like treat our own physical bodies in relation to other physical bodies and and I think so much of all of this stuff gets planted early on and so by by you know being able to say like let's just take pause for a second because you don't you don't have the right to this you mm-hmm. don't you're not you know. right and sometimes we're just like I feel like the other party is just like so hungry for affection so like I get where it's coming from but even with like animals I see people like being very like a and not that it's like you know animal rape or something but in a way it's like if an animal doesn't want to be pet just don't fucking pet it like oh, why totally. would you even want to pet something that doesn't want to be pet yeah, yeah I don't I understand when I moved to yeah. New York is when I learned you have to ask people if you could pet their dogs I didn't know that that's so funny I was just yeah. pet all the dogs yeah, yeah, yeah I tried yeah. pet stray cat last night well Didn't and sort out. of <laughs> and sort of vice versa like often I mean unless the situation presents itself differently I'll ask a child like can I pick you up mm-hmm. yeah you know and even just because and even you asking them that makes them realize oh I can choose yeah. what happens yeah it's now. very empowering yeah. yeah yeah and I think like I don't know I've I've feel like a lot of that can get come across as like a cold message or something that feels very like you know like just cold and not comforting but mm-hmm. it's so empowering yeah, yeah and that's more like a parent's job to be like you know t- touching and feel like it's touching a kid and giving them that that kind of emotion but it's like it's great I think that you're asking kids because then they know uh you know going further into life if someone tries to touch them in the way that they don't want to be touched without asking maybe a little alarm will go off in their head sooner than it would have before mm-hmm. true yeah or at the very least yeah they'll be able to like feel uncomfortable not right. make that feel comfortable because that's like the not pattern bypass right it. the pattern is like oh I'm used to getting picked up without asking oh I'm used yeah. to getting hugged without asking yeah. so then like that's not all that different when you get to college and you're at like some crazy party you mm-hmm. know and and it's really dangerous and Chaz just grabbing your titties and you're like come right. on man because <laughs> men do that <laughs> like ask. men do like lift up like carry pick up women a lot like people have picked me up before yeah. oh yeah especially when you're short it's yeah. like yeah. Yeah. I'm like what well I'm a fucking adult not, human yeah, yeah. Like, I know my, my friend Katie she's like 410 or something and she has like talks about on stage like how people are constantly like picking her up even though she's <laughs> in her terrible. 30s oh, because she God. is so petite and yeah. it's like what are you doing no, yeah what not. are you doing yeah that seems like it's breaking a lot of rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot um oh thank you so much yeah Jean, oh my gosh for being here no and, thank and, you guys and, you know and really thank you for what you do because I think it's like it's super important and I think just to hear two people asking questions and talking and being able to sort of be a part of that on a weekly basis it's uh I don't know it's really important thank you're you. really important. right back at you um are there any <laughs> books the specific books you would like to recommend to the listeners you oh said, yeah oh, all yeah. the listeners love books oh yeah. do they okay yeah they do they do and they always <laughs> they ask us That's and we're like awesome. just right. rewind yeah well you know? I like I feel like bell hooks the will to change is like a great one that um you know brings up a lot of this like really radical stuff that I'm still sort of like digesting (laughs) um Carol Gilligan did a lot of like uh research especially like I think in like the 80s and she was like really influential in um you know a lot of this not necessarily the patriarchy talk but a lot of the idea of like the power dynamic and how that can feel a little bit more balanced Mm -hmm. um you know I love this author named Leslie Jameson and this other author, Andrew Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. They're both of them are just to have uh, an amazing way of like 
just looking at the human experience in a really different way and awesome. it really like flips it on its head so I feel like those Ooh, two I love that yeah those two are really minds. not not about kids but they're really great just too. dynamics just between people humans. it's yeah. a, we're all just humans Ugh, we're doing the best we can we are we're all just humans guys we're all just humans we're all trying to do the best we know, know how to do I know it's hard and it's then we're easy. living and growing <laughs> yeah. and curious people be curious yeah you know yeah. thank you so much yes thank you guys so, so oh and vote Oh, <laughs> good thing to promote. It's a good one. November, Nothing baby. else to promote but voting. Voting. Yeah, everyone vote. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to you guys. We fucked the anti slut shaming podcast. We will talk to you next Friday. sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. Get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2,000 choices and message them whenever you need to. No commutes and no judgments. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash GWF and use the code GWF to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. Talkspace, it's therapy for how we live today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.